Before we start the episode, I just want to bring your attention to a crowdfunding campaign that we're doing here at Popular Front. If you go to www.popularfront.co slash 10k, so that's 10k, we're trying to raise 10 grand because Popular Front is moving very fast and we feel like to capitalize on the momentum we've created, we really need a little bit of money on the side just to buy new equipment, pay a few volunteers and go to different places. So yeah, www.popularfront.co popularfront.co slash 10k if you're in the position to put your hands in the pocket and support us please do think about it this is popular front a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me jake hanrahan today we're doing an episode giving you some updates on the clashes in hong kong because what started off as a protest is now kind of looking like the start of what they would probably want to be a revolution. So we're speaking to Rachel Yeo, a local journalist with an independent newspaper in Hong Kong, and she's going to be telling us all about the increasing violence from police, the response from protesters, which is also violent, and how all of this is starting to look a little bit more than a protest that's going to blow over. In fact, while we were speaking, I didn't even realise the first actual live round by police had been fired in this latest round of protests please do consider supporting us on patreon patreon.com slash popular front the last podcast episode we did on popular front about hong kong the the protests were not peaceful but mostly peaceful you know what i mean the majority of them were still kind of peaceful there were clashes here and there but now things have changed, right? Like a lot. So maybe you can explain what's happened in the last two weeks, basically, in Hong Kong, or the last month or whatever, you know, since things got really violent. Okay, yeah. So things have been getting quite bad because um, a lot of, like, protesters are, like, getting very angry about the government's, like, lack of action and the, and the, and the ineffectiveness of them, like, fulfilling the five demands. So... And also because of the fact that the police have been using more and more like brutality methods such as like, you know, shooting tear gas or like pepper spray or like beating it up, even like not just protesters, but also like civilians as well. So I think all of this actually contributed to a lot of like dissent and a lot of like, um, a lot of anger at, you know, for, for the whole, like for most of the Hong Kongers. So... A lot of them actually try to justify that because, like, vi- because the violence is like the only seems to be like the only way to get the attention from like other, like from the government and also like from like the the world, and they feel that peaceful methods are no longer useful anymore. So this is what they have been resorting to because they feel that it is the government that is driving them to do violent methods like this. So they always. Uh, sometimes they get condemned by the government or like for example like the mainland side or like the or like the police or like the Hong Kong government yeah and you said about the the five demands maybe you can explain what they are because you know here in the west we see a lot of footage of the protesters but no one's really as far as I'm seeing is explaining fully what these five demands are yeah but basically they want the five demands for example, the first one will be to completely withdraw the extradition bill. So previously, what Carrie Lam said uh, was the bill was dead or like it was suspended. But to most, like to many of the Hong Kongers, they feel that this is not the correct word to be used. They want they want her to announce that the bill is withdrawn. But somehow she couldn't even give that word. Like she couldn't provide that word 
to the to the public and it makes a lot of people wonder like oh maybe she would uh maybe this is not like a legal thing you know what i mean yeah like she she's not actually saying she's going to withdraw it she just kind of suspended it yeah so like a lot of reporters and a lot of like citizens have been asking what like is it officially withdrawn but she for now she can't really give a proper answer on whether it's actually redrawn she just kept emphasizing that the bill is dead she will not re- uh she will not reintroduce the the bill again yeah so this is what people are not happy about they want a permanent redrawal of the extradition bill and second of all uh people want the redrawal of the word riot because on 12th of june there was it was the first time where police and uh, protesters actually clashed over the extradition bill, and some of the people have been also like arrested and uh, uh, beaten up by the police, and also like you know like a lot of violence things started to happen. Yeah, and uh, I I believe the government said it was a riot, and people got very angry as well. So they don't want it to be categorized as a riot. What do they want it to be categorized as a protest? Yeah, they would rather it be like a. Like a pro- they, they they don't want it. They don't want to be labeled as rioters because for them it's like, um, to for them it's like they are trying to fight for their home and for their for their city. So it doesn't. It for them it does. For them it's like the word riot. It, it is quite a bad like a bad term. It looks bad on them. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. So the third one will be to, uh, release all arrested protesters without any charges because. I think, if I'm not wrong, like more than 800 people have been arrested. 800? Yeah. And they're still being held? Yeah, it's still being, you know, like right now there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a clash going on in Xunwan and I believe some Shepo and people have been arrested as well and also like um, subdued and beaten up by uh, all the riot police. So it's been quite uh, crazy. So... Yeah, so a lot of them, they demand the protesters to be released without charges. So, so like, for example, no charging them of, like, um, like for example, rioting. Yeah. And then the fourth one will be an independ- uh, independent investigation on police violence for because they feel that um, it's a lot of, like, abuse of their power. So even, like, for today in Shunwan and uh, in Kwaising district, uh, police were actually like uh, holding pistols, for, uh, shooting guns with actual bullets for the first time, and also like uh, deploying water cannon trucks. So, and also wait, bullets like no one shot live rounds though yet, have they? Uh, just it just happened. Like one of the police actually shot a real bullet, but it was towards the sky. But they were aiming it at. Uh, they were actually aiming it at the protesters and even to civilians. There was this one civilian who was actually like begging the police not to shoot, but he was kicked aside by the the police, so they didn't really like respond. Yeah, I I think it's it's gone like viral on Twitter. Wow, I I didn't even check. I should have a look at that. So those are the five demands, right? Uh, yeah, one and the last demand is to actually introduce an elect uh, electoral reform. Because currently now, um, uh, for example, when you when a new chief executive is being elected, they couldn't. Uh, citizens cannot actually vote who who their next chief executive can be. It's only restricted to a very small like group of people, which is like mainly business businessmen or like uh like 
restricted to people from different industries like traders. So it's kind of elitist. Yeah, it's kind of elitist. Those yeah, so only only a few people can actually vote who they want to see to be, and those people are actually they actually have close ties with the mainland. So, it is very likely that the the chief executive has to be, you know, supportive towards Beijing and whatnot. That's why a lot of people feel that, like the CE is actually like a puppet of the Beijing government. Yeah. So, so what would you say the protests are now? Because when they first started, they were anti extradition bill. But now, from the outside to me, it looks like this is the start of a revolution. Would you say that's um, accurate? Yeah, I would say it, it has definitely gone beyond the extradition bill, especially now as the pro the the protests get more and more like intense. A lot of people are actually more angry towards the police and towards the like towards the police because of the the violence that they have used towards protesters and also to the government who seems to not be doing anything to address their demands. So to them they are fighting for something that is like greater than the extradition bill. They are fighting for greater like democracy that they are fighting for the freedom that they used to have when they were under the British, like, the uh, under British rule. Right, but how, how come, like, you've seen a lot of British colonial flags and even American flags being waved, which, of course, gives, like, you know, online communists kind of fuel to talk rubbish, but why are they doing that, you know? What's the reason for waving those flags in the protest? Yeah, okay, so um, I did see a lot of UK and uh, US flags being waved like for example in the airport like i've seen some of them actually waving the u.s flag and i believe it's because they want to attract uh attention from the superpower nations like for example the u.s and it did work to an extent because like a lot of american politicians like including donald trump and hillary clinton they have actually like tried to step out uh, and speak out against the protests so i'm not sure and even for donald trump he says he's trying to like get Xi Jinping to meet up with the with the protesters directly to sort of stop the whole the whole thing that is the whole protest that is going on but yeah it, I, I don't know if I mean he has definitely gotten the attention of the the people from the US and from the western side but I'm not sure if it will actually be like effective in the long, long run yeah so we, we have to see whether the, the world leaders will actually meet up and also try to discuss how they can actually help like Hong Kong in this crisis. So it's kind of symbolic, would you say, the use of the flags? Yeah, more like symbolic and also like to to raise international awareness. Sure, sure. Um, and, and in talk, talking about the protests, like when it first started, it seemed very kind of disjointed. But now, like very quickly, it seems incredibly well organized. Is there, you know, are there specific groups within the protests that they have names? Are there leaders? What's the, what's the dynamic of it right now? Uh, there are no actual leaders in me. Uh, in the whole extradition view movement because uh, from what happened in the Umbrella movement when there were prominent faces like for example Joshua Wong he he it, it became quite easy for the it became very easy for, for the authorities to hunt down the key leaders of the Occupy Central movement whereas for now uh, people have learned from uh, what happened back then so they have chose to cover themselves up with like masks and helmets 
and you know to conceal their identity and also even just like uh, trying to cover up their footsteps so for example when they take the MTR they don't use their proper octopus cuts which is like cuts that like you know metro cuts because they feel that uh, the authorities can use like the the track records to 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 find out where they have been and whatnot so they have even they have been resorting to using like coins or like just like single use tickets to to make sure that they they don't get found out by the authorities right to cover their tracks yes yes and also like uh definitely social media is playing a huge part of the movement as well so for example there's this uh platform called lihkg it's called linton in chinese and it's actually the platform where uh, protesters have been using to plan out uh, future protests. So a lot of discussion actually goes on to there. And maybe they will have like a poll on like, oh, where should we go next? Or what should we do in this particular march? Should we, should we retreat? Or should we like uh, get more people to come? So usually uh, this, this, uh, this platform is the top, I would say it's the most popular like platform for protesters to discuss their tactics. Uh, there's another platform called Telegram and also there are a lot of like groups that are for example they are specific to us but to, uh, they are specific to like different marches. So for example then there may be a group for the airport march uh, the airport protest, there may be a group for uh uncooperation movement in the MTR where protesters try to block the trains in order to, to as their way of like protest to stop the people from, you know, like going to work in the peak hours. It seems really well organised. And I've been covering, you know, war and protests all over the world for so long. And I've never seen this level of organisation in a protest. What is it you think about Hong Kong that, you know, means that these protests are just so well organised? Like, you guys seem to be on point at every protest. They seem to know what they're doing, you know? Yeah, I mean, most of the time they know what they're doing. But there are also times where, um, that because there are no leaders, so it's very easy to sidetrack and, not, and people will be quite unsure on where to head to next. Or like, for example, if there's an uncooperation movement in the MTR station, so maybe there are plans for protesters to, to block the trains during the peak hour, but maybe on the day itself, they may cancel it because there are not that many people participating in it. Or they feel that, you know, maybe the, the citizens are getting a bit annoyed by the whole uncooperation movement, so they may, they may either cancel it or they may delay or they might just postpone it or change it to another alternative, change to another alternative, alternative like way, and also sometimes like I've seen a lot of like like dialogue sessions and people commenting back and forth on like what to do and what not to do. So yeah, most of the time they I would say they are on on form, but there are also times where they may be a bit they may feel a bit like lost or they are not sure what to do next because there's no like actual like leaders to be leading them. Right. So you think that maybe the, the decentralized nature of it is hindering them slightly? Yeah, slightly. But it's it's still good because um they can't be found out that easily. But it's also a a bit of a disadvantage in this sense. Yeah. And can you can you tell me about these frontliners? I've read about these. These seem to be like the hardcore protesters. Have you heard this term, you know, the frontliners? Yeah. Who are they? The role of the frontline is typically to like um, 
to clash, sort of like to clash with the police. So they are normal. Typically, they are always like the ones blocking the roads with like with things like metal fences or like cones, and also if the police try to advance, they will try to 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 hit back by like for example throwing like. Molotov, Molotov, like Molotov cocktail, right? Petrol bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molotov cocktails and also like, uh, throwing like household items like umbrellas, and it's just. I think they are sort of like fueled by emotion as well because, a lot of them are, definitely not very. They are definitely very unhappy with what's going on and they feel that. Going on the front line is their way of like protesting and their way of like getting their demands to be heard by the government and yeah well like any any time the police are attacking like that you know if if they're gonna have a, uh, an effective resistance you do need people like that to be honest you know yeah 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 so that there's people on the front line and then there's also people who are doing the logistic the logistics side of the whole like the whole movement so they will help like these frontliners like. For example, they will give helmets. They will pass on um, uh, masks. Yeah, just for them to make sure that they are well equipped on the front line. So not everyone, not everyone will be brave enough to go on the front line, but there are other ways of helping. Right, and then they tell them where to go and stuff. Right, like this area, the police are here. Blah blah blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sort of quite. They're very organized because there's different groups of people responsible for different aspects of the whole protest. Or typical protest. And maybe you can talk a little bit about this police brutality that the frontliners are fighting against because I've been keeping track of it and it seems to be every week it's stepping up, you know, they seem to be fast escalating, you know. Maybe you can tell us how that happened and what they've been doing. Yeah, okay. So so far the latest methods of police brutality include like um like I said earlier, holding the pistol at eye level and threatening to shoot protesters and even the citizens who are who happen to live nearby, and to many it's very ridiculous because like, why why are they even aiming their guns at uh civilians? It doesn't really make any sense. And also the fact that they are employing, uh, deploying uh, uh water cannons is also very questionable because water cannons are known to be lethal, and they can and and the water that they sh- uh, when they shoot. It can, it has like it may contain like chemical irritants or even like dye like you know like liquid sort of like they try to color the water with air yeah yeah so to sort of like uh to track down the the protesters who are nearby yeah so a lot of them actually feel that it's quite dangerous and it might actually harm or even kill someone yeah and also typically they use tear gas. As a way to disperse protesters, and some of the tear gas have been known to be expired. That makes it more toxic, right? Yeah, apparently it makes it more toxic. But the police said it, like they they are trying to deny that this is true, and then they are also using things like like pepper spray directly at the protesters, and also even resorting to beating up citizens. Or I mean, not citizens, like beating up protesters and subduing them before they arrest them. So, it it is quite, like, it is quite crazy because they have been shooting, they have been shooting people in the eyes. So a lot of protesters are very angry. So for example, one of the medic, medic, eh, one of the volunteers, 
who is in charge of like medical aid got shot in the right eye if I'm not wrong and she, a lot and apparently she is like her condition is that she's her her retina got ruptured or something like that and this caused a lot of anger towards like the whole Hong Kong and they actually came to the airport the next day to to protest against the against the police shooting people shooting her in the eye and then they are always like chanting for her to return the eye like to for the police to return the eye and now i think just yesterday they shot another guy on the eye as well and what are they shooting them with beanbag rounds or yeah beanbag rounds yeah if i'm not wrong it's beanbag rounds jesus um and what about the medical teams i've seen a lot of footage of you know protester medical teams who are these people yeah, most of them they are actually like volunteers. I, I if I'm not wrong, they are also like uh working as like nurses or like doctors as their full time jobs. But because they they have a they feel that there's a there's a need for them to come out on the streets to help these people on the front line. So a lot of them are actually doing this on a voluntary basis. Yeah. Wow, and and you know there have been protests in Hong Kong for several years you know they've happened the umbrella movement for example have you ever seen the violence from the police at this level the police are maybe being more violent this time yeah i would think so because actually they are not like showing their police identity and yesterday during the march at i think at kun tong they are their faces are completely covered so it gives a lot of suspicion that oh why are they covering their faces is it because they are doing something that is not right? Like, why are they doing that? If they are not doing anything that is illegal, then they shouldn't be covering their faces or concealing their identity to conceal their identities in the first place. And what about this situation with the so-called triads? You know, when these guys with the white t-shirts came out and just started beating people, and then there was a stabbing at the Lenin Wall. Like, what's what's happening? The very first incident happened in Yunlong, where white white shirt people who are allegedly triad members have been beating up like citizens inside the MTR station and a lot of them are actually just like innocent bystanders or like uh you know just or or just like protesters coming home so they've been beating people up indiscriminate like it's a very they've been just beating people up without like a care or anything so it actually caused the whole protest movement to be even more emotionally charged because now triad members are in that like, they are involved in the whole protest and now uh and occasionally some of some of them may even pop up in different districts like for example in north point there were people beating up protesters as well and a few days ago like you said there's also a stabbing incident when uh, when there was this man who went up to like, a few people and he asked what what are their thoughts about the protest and then when they said they are they are supportive towards like democracy and towards the Hong Kong people then he began to stab them not sure if that man is actually a member from the triad but it's definitely been worrying for a lot of like citizens because you know they have been living like nearby the, and you know to see this violence happening near at their foot at their at their doorsteps is like quite crazy yeah absolutely um do you think this will escalate you know do you think you'll see more of the uh, the kind of triad inclusion because when they did it before it didn't really work you know they beat a lot of people up 
and people still came to the streets. In fact, more people came to the streets. What do you think? You think this tactic will be used again or not? Yeah, I think that there'll be more popping up, but I don't think it will be as bad as like the police beating people up. Yeah, yeah, like the police have almost taken the violence up a level now. Yeah, I, I still think that the police are more violent because they are they have all the sophisticated weapons. Whereas for triad members they are still using like you know, like sticks and just like maybe knives or something like that. Yeah. Where do you think these triads came from? I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying that, you know, it's clear to them at least that Beijing sent them, you know, the Chinese government sent them. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have been allegedly paid by the Chinese government to, to, to commit these acts. And some of them even feel that they are associating with like pro-Beijing lawmakers. So like, for example, uh, if, uh, Junius Ho, yeah, he was seen like shaking the hands of one of the, the, the members in white. So it, it gave a lot of like impression that, oh, maybe pro-Beijing like, lawmakers are actually involved with the triads. So it makes people even more angry because they don't trust, they are, they really don't trust the government at all. And now to see like, uh, lawmakers supporting these, like triads, it makes them, like, it makes them even more angry, and make them and makes them even more, wanting to come to the streets to protest against this. Yeah. Um. And I've heard that, you know, a lot of the protesters are obviously students and they'll be going back to school and back to university in September. I've heard people say they think that the the whole thing might die down by then. But to me, it looks like I, I couldn't imagine that. What do you think? I actually don't think it might die down anytime soon because they're actually planning to skip classes during the month of September. Really? Okay. How do you think Beijing might react? Because there has been talks of, you know, the military are amassing on the border in Shenzhen or wherever. What do you think is going to happen now? You know, for me, I don't know, it doesn't look good, but you're on the ground every day. What do you think? I, I really do think that if the situation doesn't improve, then Beijing will do something about it. I feel that they are sending warning signs now. And it's clear that they don't... And their human rights track record hasn't been the best also, I would say. So... I won't be surprised if they actually send the army down to try to stifle the whole situation. Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. How can protesters, how can they face off against the army? You know, there's no weapons there. Exactly. So it's, for me, I personally feel like very worried every week. Every weekend it's just like, on. I'm just on the edge, like just like wondering, oh, what's going to happen next? Uh, are the... Are the, is the army gonna come? Is Beijing gonna finally intervene? And people are also worried because, um, it might become, uh, June fourth again, like back in. Like uh, Tiananmen. Yes, like Tiananmen, there's been like worries that are, that have been going on. So I hope it doesn't escalate to this point, but in but I also hope that the government will sort of, like intervene in time and try to communicate with the people the citizens and try to address their demands bit by bit yeah definitely um thank you very much rachel is anything else you want to say before we go uh yeah i'm good for now (laughs) okay cool and where can people get hold of you if they want to follow your work on twitter or wherever uh they can follow my twitter on rack porter it's r-a-c-p-o-r-t-e-r on yeah on both twitter and instagram yeah so i I do post like updates on 
the Hong Kong protests from time to time. Yeah, fairly active there. So, brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jake. Thank you. Bye bye. That was Rachel Yeo speaking about how the increasingly violent clashes in Hong Kong have turned an anti-extradition protest movement into pro-democracy movement in what is looking like the start of what the protesters at least want to be a revolution in Hong Kong. And like I said at the start, we are trying to raise £10,000 because basically all of our equipment is fucked or it's borrowed or it's on its way out. And we also want to be able to commission people to help us build Popular Front, you know, pay volunteers that are currently helping us a little bit on the side. We want to be able to pay them and keep them there with us so we can do a lot more work a lot more rapidly. And also we want some money on the side so we can go and deploy to breaking situations like what's happening in Hong Kong. People have said to me, Jake, are you going to go and cover it for Popular Front? This would be great. It would be, but, you know, the flights alone are a £1,000. And frankly, you know, what we're doing here is all grassroots, all independent, and we do not have the money to just go, yeah, £1,000 on flights. It would be nice if we did have some money on the side. So, yeah, we're trying to raise this 10k. Uh, go to www.popularfront.co slash 10k, 10k. Um, if you want to support, you can donate via Bitcoin instead if you want. Just let us know what tier you would like you know, for the rewards. Uh, a few people have done that. It's all on there if you go there. Um, if you go to the popularfront.co slash 10k, it's basically a landing page. There'll be a link to the Indiegogo campaign. We've got 30 days left, around 30 days left. We've raised uh, about 35% of it, which is amazing. I'm really happy with it, but we just need to kind of get over the next hurdle and move it towards the 10k. So like I said, if you are in a position where you can put your hands in your pocket, please do consider supporting us if you like what we're doing and you want to see more. If you're not in that position, for example, if you're skin, please, please, please do not feel obliged to send us money. In fact, if you don't have money, don't uh, get involved with the 10K campaign. There are many ways to support, and that includes sharing it, showing it to rich people, telling them why they should get involved, you know. So, yeah, if you've got the money, please do consider supporting. If not, please do consider sharing it and showing it to other people. www.popularfront.co slash 10K. Also, uh, as usual, we are on the Patreon. There are more than 35 bonus episodes on there and more coming every single month. That is patreon.com slash popularfront. Uh, if you want to support in a different way, go to popularfront.co slash support. There's many different ways you can do it on there. This episode was sponsored by the defensepost.com. Defense with an S. Check them out. They're very good. There's a lot of daily conflict uh, articles, also, please do subscribe to us on YouTube. We've got a brand new documentary out. It's called Racker Patrol, Guarding Against ISIS Sleeper Cells, where I was on patrol with the Asaish, the kind of military police in Raqqa, who are up against ISIS sleeper cells, basically. So ISIS has lost all their ground, all the front lines are gone, but ISIS are very much still there. Raqqa is still a battlefield two years on after being liberated because ISIS are launching all these attacks. They claim to have launched 32 attacks this year, and reckon they've killed 126 people in the process just in the first eight months of 2019. So when people say, oh yeah, ISIS is over, no, go to uh, popularfront.co slash Syria and send them the YouTube link that's in there and make them watch Racker Patrol so they can see the reality of what's going on in the ground. Uh, the Asaish don't get a lot of attention and often they've got the worst equipment and, and are doing some of the hardest kind of gnarly work on the ground just hoping not to get blown up by these sleeper cells so i'm really glad we did it um and if you want to watch it please do and please do consider sharing it show your mate 
we only had like one day to do it. Um, I was out there working on other stuff and it's a bit kind of ratchet like the way it's put together, but we did the best with uh, what we had, I think. Also follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash popular.front. We're increasingly getting trolled and, you know, people are reporting us. So it might get shut down soon, but, you know, follow it if you want. Um, also on Twitter, twitter.com slash popularfrontco. And my Twitter is jake underscore hanrahan, H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N. Thank you very much to the following supporters. Without your help, none of this would be possible. They are Anthony Kabarek, Adam Bergsnyder, Axel Iverson, Brian McLaughlin, Callum Ross, Chad Walker, Christopher Martin, Dan Dunham, Daniel Shearer, Diana Gorvanek, Emiliano, Emily Molly, Fletcher Tate, Jack Mayhoff, a oh, funny guy, James, the notorious centrist, Joanne Stocker, Joel Tambusi, Josh, Juan Hernandez, Kay Hardy Roberts, Kyle M. Payne, Lawrence Abrahams, LH, Lyka Maddock, you think you're funny, Margaret Bowling, Moody Al Rashid, Noah, Ari, Patrick Bronte, Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did, Q-Ball, Russia Alakidi, Ryan Sandercock, Skatu Music, Sebastian from the Discord, Sarushe Hawazi, Stephen Davila, Teddy, Tom Lochrin, Tony Bin, Vida Provost and Zachary Hinch. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us, honestly, like, if we didn't have this core, um, everything would fall apart very quickly. So thank you very much to all the Patreons. It's been amazing to see this grow over the last, what, year and a half. Um, and the more money we get there, the more popular front you'll get. I'm sure you've seen the, uh, the level of content increase rapidly with the amount of money we get. So thank you very much. Please, everybody do consider supporting patreon.com slash popular front. Music in this episode, the intro was by Home. And the outro was by Sam Black slash Son of Old. Go to his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash son dash of dash old. <laughs>